Hi team and welcome back to Toe the Line podcast. We have a very exciting episode today. Um, if you can tell from the title, I do have my first ever guest here. Um, I actually know him, <laughs> but we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, very excited and I guess we'll just jump straight into the intro. So my first ever guest is undoubtedly one of the finest locks to ever play the game and ever put on the black jersey. <laughs> You're making me blush, Taylor. <laughs> Only the first sentence of the intro. <laughs> Um, he's played 79 tests for the All Blacks and 105 matches all up. He's also represented Northland and North Harbour in the NPC competition, as well as the Chiefs in the Super Rugby competition. He retired from, the, from his international career in 1999 and then went abroad for three years where he played for Gloucester and London Wasps over in London. He retired from, the, he retired from rugby sorry, fully in 2002 and since then he's still very connected to the game. He's a TV commentator among various other ambassador roles with different brands and organisations. I feel very honoured and very grateful to be sitting across from All Black among the 902 Ian Jones. Ian, welcome to Toe the Line. Thank you very much, Taylor. That is a wonderful, wonderful intro. It, uh, it's <laughs> brilliant the way you delivered it and thank you very much. I am very honoured, I have to say, to be your number one first guest. Yeah. Um, and also, maybe we can say, a friendship that's gone back a long, long time from Many your, and people may not know this, <laughs> your wonderful swimming career. <laughs> yes, no, well we are here to talk about you, not me, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we, Ian and I do know each other. I swam with his son Flynn. Flynn and I were very good friends throughout the swimming years, and yeah, it's just really nice to connect, and it's funny how worlds collide back in years to come, and yeah, very excited to be well, here. Well, Taylor, I'm proud of what you're doing. It's wonderful. Um, and inclusiveness of, of, of what you're trying, the aim uh, about this podcast. I'm honoured to be part of it, of course, and let's just have a great uh, chat. Yeah, very excited. Well, my first question is a very important one, Ian, how are you? I'm doing really well. I am, I am blessed. Uh, I have a wonderful family, beautiful wife. Uh, life is good. Mm-hmm. Life is what you make it. Yeah, very you know, true. Taylor. Um, so we wake up every day and say, yep, let's, let's seize the day. So that's very kind true. of always been the attitude. So yep. now I'm doing really well, thank oh, you. I'm so glad. And you're very busy. You're still, you're still very much an athlete. I see you <laughs> out bike riding and doing triathlons and running. Even my mum said she reckons she saw you the other day and tooted at you. So <laughs> I, love, I love training. You know, yeah. I love the discipline of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, you know, the routine, I guess, of training. I know for me personally, you know, when, when I'm not, I haven't got a goal to focus on. Mm-hmm. I haven't got an event to look forward to or a, a schedule to stick to. I get yeah. a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, mentally as well. Yeah. So to have that, to have routine in my life is very, very important to me. Um, I love staying fit. I love being around people. And I don't mind if it's biking, swimming, running or whatever. It is. That's only the hook for me. Yeah. It's actually the, the company yeah. that I enjoy. For sure. Yeah, 100%. I think also when you've been an athlete for so long, it's hard to get out of that kind of athlete mindset and not, not do anything. So, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, but it's also cool um, feeling fit, yeah. staying fit. And, and, and I always link my physical fitness with my mental fitness. 100%. Right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also love, Taylor, seeing others starting their journey, I always think something's better than nothing. I am so inspired by people just getting off the couch and walking. 100%. Uh, and then from walking, they can run and, and these, do these amazing things. That actually inspires me more than 
um, anything really. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Um, before we get into the wild world of Ian Jones, <laughs> I do just want to first say that we are actually at Sky City currently recording. We're here at Experience All Blacks, which is an exhibit under Sky City, and you were actually an ambassador for Experience All Blacks. Talk us through a little bit how that journey started for you. Yeah, this has been incredible. In fact, this is you know, 100 plus years uh, in the making, mm -hmm. this All Blacks experience. So. What the All Black Experience does honours the legacy of all the players, both Black Ferns, uh, All Blacks, Māori All Blacks, New Zealand Sevens players, everyone who's worn the black jersey, it's to honour their legacy. Mm -hmm. So it's taking people through the making, shaping and being an All Black. So how do you make uh, a rugby player? Well, you make a rugby player by letting them love the game, so the grassroots, so important uh, at, at this level, so that's where you start your pathway, your journey. So that's really passionate about that. And then we, how do you shape that love uh, into becoming an elite uh, athlete? And then a really special treat for people at the end, where they're going to sit in a replica Eden Park, and they sit there like the All Blacks or the Black Ferns, with moments before kickoff, and we get to talk about what it's like being yeah. an All Black. So. Uh, that's an explanation, but I like people to come along here to All Black Experience to, and you feel it. And, and once you feel it, you absolutely know what it's like. I 100% agree with you. I went through the experience for the first time last week, and I had like a sort of preconception of what I thought the experience mm. was going to be like, and it completely blew every expectation I had out of the water, especially my favourite part was actually the first kind of part where the old TV is in the club oh, rooms. Yes. I really love... Um, there's just something about grassroots rugby that is super exciting and I think to experience that in the experience mm. and see all the different clubs and have all the club jerseys up there was really cool and then obviously the haka at the end, oh, it gave me, I don't, I think I knew I was going to get goosebumps but standing so close to that haka and like feeling it, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> you know, Taylor, it's like a real privilege to perform the haka. 100%. But for, for many New Zealanders, plus our overseas guests, it's also a real privilege to stand and watch oh, 100%, it uh, yeah. as well. But before you get to that hockey, you get to walk down this tunnel. Now, Taylor, I haven't played rugby for 20 <laughs> plus years. Every time I walk down that tunnel, you get goosebumps. those goosebumps, yep. that anxiety. Man, here we go. You're about to represent your I country. I was about Take to run out onto breath. the field. I was like, <laughs> yeah. here we go, boys. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Uh, and then you walk out there and bang, uh, both... The All Blacks, but the Black Ferns oh, hacker yeah. to me is just so powerful. It's almost more intimidating uh, in I some agree. ways because yeah. these powerful Wahini men are just staring at you. So oh, yeah. please yeah. come along, All Black experience, and and and, and feel. Uh, the power of it really yeah no I definitely agree I got to I was actually there like I got to witness both the men's and the women's haka and um yeah like you said they were both both got, no. got, got tingles <laughs> up my spine and everything it was truly yeah, just incredible. like yeah I don't know how else you like explain it you've just got to come and see I guess <laughs> yes you absolutely just got to come and see it it's not a museum it's very interactive yeah but it just takes you through that journey that that, that pathway as we said making shaping uh and being plus I mean, our guides are world class, they're incredible what they do, but they just unearth all of these kind of reasons why uh, this team, the All Blacks, but also the Black Ferns have been so good for so long. Very much so. Um, and Legacy. sharing the information mm -hmm. and, and you know, explaining um, 
not not the secrets, but why the values of this team 100%. really important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if you are in Auckland or mm. you want to come and travel and see experience all Blacks, I'd highly recommend it because it is amazing. And you might even bump into Ian Jones. You <laughs> may well bump into me or plenty of other former players come through here because it's a cool place to hang out. It really yeah, is. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, let's jump into the life of Ian Jones. Before we get into the rugby side of things, I really want to know who Ian Jones is behind the jersey. What was your life like growing up? Up, childhood, schooling life, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, thanks very much, Taylor. I was wonderful, privileged. I'm the youngest uh, of, of three, so I've got two older brothers, um, Bruce, my oldest, Greg, in the middle from a very, very supportive family, mother and father, Warren and Betsy. Um, we grew up in a little suburb of Carmo, mm -hmm. hence the nickname Carmo Kid. And I've got to <laughs> tell you about uh, the street I grew up in, which is Fisher Terrace. Okay. Fisher Terrace. Uh, in Carmo, but right, went ne on the street. <laughs> right next door to me on the right hand side was a guy called Brian Mournsel. Brian Mournsel, former New Zealand hockey player, hockey coach, but more importantly, the legacy for Brian Mournsel, fitness trainer to the team that won the 76 gold medal at the Olympics. Right. He became the fitness trainer of our street. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, my neighbour on the left-hand side was a guy called Blythe Tate. For those that don't know Blythe Tate, Blythe Tate's an Olympic and world equestrian champion. Um, so he was kind of part of our gang. And that kind of street was a guy called Brian Young. Brian Young, uh, former New Zealand black cap. My God, the over. street. Yeah, <laughs> Angela Brackenbridge was another lady in our street who represented New Zealand at table tennis. My mother was a nurse. We had a doctor. Uh, in the streets, so we were kind of, yeah. we, we were all, always out, like, like many, many streets yeah. in New Zealand, we were always out there kind mm -hmm. of doing things, yeah. uh, but success sporting-wise of, of that street has been quite phenomenal, and, and, and we remain very close yeah. friends from, from Fisher Terrace, so that's my upbringing, very, very supportive uh, family, and, and family to everything. Mm -hmm. Taylor is, is the base of anyone's yep. success Definitely. and the values that your your parents, your brother, the support I get from all of those have kind of always put me, I think, in good stead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you know who lives on that street now? Any famous people? <laughs> <laughs> Any sporting legends? I feel like you've definitely, you've definitely been putting that in there. Well, you know, Taylor, I know there will be because uh, we, we came from that street and we ended up you know, doing okay. So the kids on that street will do exactly the same, yeah. I, I know. And it doesn't matter what part of New Zealand you come from, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you can follow your dreams and, and go all the way to the top. And I think that's the main thing. You've got to dream yeah, about, hey, one day I want to represent New yeah, Zealand. Definitely. I never knew what sport it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I was a swimmer uh, back in my early, early days. But I love sport. Um, and I love working hard to yeah. achieve that. So... Yeah, something will happen from that street. Fisher Terrace and Carmo. Oh, undoubtedly <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, let's get into your rugby journey. At what age did you start? Like, very, very first game. Yep, uh, five, like most uh, kids around that age, to the Karma Rugby Club. Once again, my family had a connection to that uh, rugby club. Uh, a great, great uncle, a guy called Bunny Finlayson. Uh, was an all black. Yeah, <laughs> Tote was his name. Uh, they called him Bunny, one of six brothers, all represented New Zealand provincial rugby. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bunny became an all black 1924 to 1926. His jersey's hanging up, uh, his jacket, sorry, blazer hanging up in the club room. So that was my connection to the Karma Rugby Club. Our family's connections goes back there to the early 1920s. So naturally, that was the club. Uh, I went to, yeah. so I started playing you know, junior rugby for Carmo and had a connection all the way through to today. 
Wow. So you also said that you swam when you were younger as yes. well, like Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> Flynn obviously took after you in that role. <laughs> um, what kind of swayed you one way or the other between rugby and swimming? Well, I guess I got the breaks in rugby. I mean, I love swimming, very, very passionate about swimming, mm -hmm. and swimming is an amazing foundation sport. It gives Definitely. you the discipline, yeah. it gives you the time management, flexibility, and I absolutely... Uh, my longevity in my rugby career in terms of remaining relatively injury free I often put down to well swimming because of the flexibility that comes yeah. with the swimming but also the aerobic base mm -hmm. uh, that, that swimming good with me that gave me but Taylor as you also know <laughs> uh, swimming is a damn hard sport yeah. it is really really tough in terms of the early uh, mornings the long hours the kind of you know, you, you, you're just working really hard to get microseconds of, of improvement. Yeah. And so I guess a lot of teenagers, you got to kind of 16, I think 17, and swimming or rugby kind of took way to swimming. Uh, I got some breaks early on, got into the North Auckland rugby team in 88, and so then rugby became my focus. Yeah, but uh, swimming was always my base, and yeah. swimming's my base now. Mm -hmm. That's my kind of go to your, your fitness level is well, my aerobic levels kind of determined on swimming yeah, so definitely. forever grateful yeah for and swimming. so with your rugby career did you always were you still swimming a little bit here and there with your rugby training always absolutely because of the flexibility because of the fitness because of the mental space that you can get into mm -hmm. swimming I mean often people say it's swimming is a boring sport you're by yourself but you're not no, no you're definitely. kind of you it's so technical but you're also to me it's a beautiful place to be yeah definitely. uh the water so absolutely always swam right throughout my rugby career and it's a great foundation as i keep saying for the fitness aerobics the mm -hmm. flexibility but you know, i got i got an opportunity uh, well in fact how i got my opportunity uh in rugby was in 1988 um, I was on the fringes of the North Auckland team. I was playing in North Auckland Colts. I was nominated to, for the New Zealand Colts trials. Um, didn't get an opportunity. Uh, and the feedback came through to the then North Auckland coach, Danny O'Shea, was say, well, if he's not playing North Auckland rugby, he's clearly not good enough. And Danny was a stubborn farmer, passed away, <laughs> uh, God rest his soul. But he then put me into the North Auckland team in '88. Um, and said, you know, buggy you. I think he is good enough. Uh, the next year I was an All Black yeah. in 89. Wow. So, okay, I want to, you touched on it a little bit and I want to get into it kind of a bit more. At what age did you kind of realise that you had an ability to maybe not even know that you could get into the All Blacks, but at what age did you know that you had an ability to take rugby as a career quite far? I don't even know if that happened, to be honest, Taylor. I, you know, I always kind of back myself, mm -hmm. you know, it's not arrogance, it's self-confidence. Yeah. I never thought I was kind of be destined to play for the All Blacks, right. that was never uh, in the question. I was passionate about rugby, mm -hmm. I was passionate about doing, like all of us, the best you can absolutely mm -hmm. be. I had a lot of supportive teammates around me and then opportunities were represented with themselves, you know, Danny O'Shea putting me in the North Auckland team, North Auckland playing at Eden Park against Auckland, all these kind of opportunities came along. And, and you know, I guess I seized those opportunities and, 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 yeah. and took, took that chance. Yeah. And then I remember kind of in 87, there was a funny moment, they had an all-back trial up in, up in Whangarei, Karma were playing a day game ahead of the troll. Just John Hart and Griswold only happened to be on the sideline. Um, you know, those kind of things happened in my yeah. career, and 
played okay. Maybe they remember that, that name, Ian Jones, in the back of their mind. Grizz Wiley then went on to pick me. And you're hard to forget because you're quite tall yeah, as well. Yeah, hard to forget because I'm quite tall. But those kind of things happened. And so, you know, when you, you have a chance, you also have to take that mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. Um, and back yourself and and, and that kind of happened and went to an All Black trial in 89 got picked at the end of the year and hell I I just love that team that Mm -hmm. team kind of transforms me in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and and, and my family because man when you become an All Black tailor your family becomes an All Black they live and breathe it (laughs) every day like you live and breathe it I think most families even if they don't have a son or daughter in the All Blacks they think they're an All Black (laughs) yeah yeah hey that's great right it's cool because it's about community and that's how I think I think that's what's really special about rugby in New Zealand especially I think so many people love the game that you you're bound to know at least someone who plays at a club or who plays in or like NPC level or super level and so you just feel like you're connected to the game which is really special yeah and taylor why has this team been so good for so long well one of those reasons and there are many many reasons but one of those reasons is their connection mm. with the public yeah the, the, the public's love of that team the the, the public's desire for that team to do well Oh, well, it's the same for the players as well. Yeah. Uh, absolutely the same. So, yeah, one of the reasons why this team is so good. Yeah, definitely. Big question coming up. So how does a kid from Carmo <laughs> yeah. make it into the All Blacks, let alone make it in front of All Black selectors? Take us through that journey. Yeah, well, once more you, you start playing for North Auckland. So this amazing pathway that we have here in New Zealand from the grassroots, so from your club to your province, now from province to Super Rugby, Super Rugby to All Blacks. Well, I just went through that pathway like everyone else had opportunities to start playing for North Auckland. Clearly got the eye of Grizz Wiley and John Hart and the selectors at that time. Been given an opportunity to go to an All Black trial. Um, Grizz what Wiley. was that first All Blacks trial like? Well, it was amazing because I had never been involved in a New Zealand team, mm-hmm. right? I hadn't been through the New Zealand Colts programs. I hadn't played New Zealand schools, so didn't know a lot of the guys. So you kind of went down there and you had to back yourself, yeah. Taylor. If you're not going to back yourself, who the hell is going to back you? I mean, I had family that backed you 100%. Mm-hmm. I had teammates from Carmel and North Auckland that were backing you 100% and so indebted to those people. But you got to kind of put yourself out there mm-hmm. and um, did kind of worked out okay. Um, I wasn't picked during the 1989 domestic series. Um, but Grizz Wiley and his fellow selectors picked some young guys, which mm-hmm. was unheard of back in those days for the tour yeah. to Canada, Wales and Ireland. So a 14-match tour over um, two months. Um, and myself and Matthew Ridge was there, Craig Guinness, Graham Bishop, um, John Timu, uh, big Graham Purvis, some, <laughs> some young guys. Yeah, yeah, weren't big names back then. Walter Little, some young guys back then uh, gave him a chance. Um, I went on that tour. It was 14 matches, I said. I didn't play any of the test matches. The incumbents were Gary Wetton and Murray Pearce, so World Cup winning uh, locks from 87. Uh, but it just fueled my... Oh, man, I love this team. It's kind of... And when, when you love that team and when you set a goal of becoming an All Black, then you have to... This is swimming, mm-hmm. right? When you achieve a goal, it's amazing, Taylor, but then you have to reset next, a goal, right? Next one, yeah. um, So... All Black, amazing, loved it. But then I wanted to play a test match mm-hmm. um, and got the chance the following year in 1990. Yeah. So I want to talk about that first test match. You've been named in the squad however many days prior to that first mm. game. 
you're in the changing rooms, you're putting on that black jersey, you're running out of the tunnels for the first time, you can hear the crowd mm. screaming, roaring, all that sort of stuff. What are the emotions running through your body going out of that tunnel, then playing, and then kind of post-match? Well, it took some deep breaths <laughs> <laughs> for a start. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got that chance because the incumbent lock forward, Murray Pierce, had left New Zealand rugby, had gone to play yeah. Curry Cup in the tail. So it was an opportunity. Uh, so grateful for Grizz Wiley that gave me the opportunity to partner uh, Gary Witten. Um, named, and back in those days, Taylor, it was the rules that you could only get together on the Wednesday before the Saturday uh, test match. So oh. we all flew down on the Tuesday night. They didn't have a kind of lot of time to wow. you know, get too nervous because you train Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, played uh, against Scotland. It was on the Saturday at Carisbrook. So kind of was such a bit of a whirl. You didn't get, I don't know, didn't have too much time to think about it and, yeah. and talk yourself out of it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm so yeah. good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been with the, the team the year before, so mm-hmm. that was kind of a nice, soft introduction. And then once more you just had to, hey, I believe I belong here. I believe I'm going to do okay. I was, you know, surrounded by some really experienced people. Saying the lineouts, uh, Buck Shelford, the captain, was behind me. Richard Lowe was in front of me, so I felt pretty well protected down there. It was this glorious blue sky, Carriagebrook day. It was amazing. Um, and running out, it just kind of was a buzz. Mm-hmm. It, it just felt incredible. Yeah. Uh, Kieran Crowley uh, on the comeback, he was playing that test as well. Walter Little. Uh, debutant also on that day and it just uh, the All Blacks played well everything was going our way uh, it clicked it just felt incredible mm-hmm. I felt comfortable yeah. uh, out there and I don't know if you're ever that comfortable but yeah felt cool no, sure. um, and afterwards I remember thinking back and said wow that 80 minutes went like in about two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like over yeah. before it started. A lot of adrenaline then. Yep, a lot of adrenaline, just playing on instinct, playing on the buzz, just kind of convincing yourself that, hey, you're good enough to be here. Don't do anything that you're kind of not asked to do. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of had that in my, my mind, and coaches often said this too, Taylor, no one's asking you to do more or less yeah. than what you've done, right? Yeah, you sure. just need to do your job. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing about playing for the All Blacks is that you just got to trust the other 14 people around will do their job. And if you worry about your job, then the outcome's going to be okay, yeah, right? Yeah, wow. Uh, and I think that was the mindset from the start. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing <coughs> I want to touch on, one thing I've like really picked up on while you've been speaking is how important attitude is to you and mindset. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Has it always, I feel like it's always been that way for you ever since you were a young kid. I kind of want to know, is it just like the way you were brought up? Is it something that your parents instilled in you? How did you kind of come across this mindset? Because I think, I think for me, especially when I was in sport and when I was younger and you know, competing at a high level, I didn't have that same sort of attitude. I was mm. always very anxious and you know, I struggled a lot with my mental health and um, I think people think when you're at the top of your game it's always just sunshine and rainbows and all that sort of stuff. But I know for me personally I struggled a lot so I'd love to know where, like, where that mindset starts from. Yeah, it's incredible self-belief I think comes from my mother, very, very supportive lady, but my father as well. My father was just got us that kind of mindset of working really hard yeah um and, and look as you know Taylor, absolutely no secret i wish i could tell people hey 
do A, B and C and you yeah. become a, a lead yeah, no, sports person. Sure. It's not going to be like that. No. You just have to work harder mm-hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. I think I think hard work will always overcome talent. If you have talent and hard work, well, bang, you become a superstar. Yeah. You know, Dan Carter, Kieran Reid, those type of people. But most of us aren't like that. Most of us... We can only hope... <laughs> <laughs> Most of us are just working harder than the next person. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that kind of gets you the goal. So I think my mother, a lot about that self-belief, believing in, in you. Uh, but you also got to believe in yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, as well. So I've, I think that. And you've got to kind of look at me and you look at this. I'm no physical specimen, right? I mean, <laughs> you're tall. <laughs> I mean, I'm tall, so I can tick that box. Yeah. But, but that's about it, mm-hmm. right? So you always had, in my mind, I was looking at my position, they're always physically bigger than me, but I never kind of once, and once I get back to self-belief thinking, I don't belong here. Mm. You know, hey, this guy's so much bigger than me, there's no way I can compete. I never kind of had that mindset. I just thought, I'm just going to give this everything I friggin' got type of thing. And always believed... uh, about working, I've worked hard mm. to get here, I've worked harder than this guy. I, I remember all the time I was doing a lot of training by myself and it was always that mindset. Say when I was, Johnny Eels started coming on the scene, I was thinking, Johnny Eels will do 15 of these, I'm going to do 20 of them. You know, I don't know what he was doing, he could have done 21. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always kind of thought, i got to do more yeah, uh, sure. than anyone else. I want to do one extra. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it was that kind of, that, that, that drive because... Yeah, as I said, I didn't have the physical qualities to kind of be an all-black lock, but in my mind I did. I mean, you, <laughs> you know I mean? think it worked out because you were you're like one of the greatest locks to ever wear the jersey. Yeah, well, I'm a living example, uh, Taylor. If you you work harder than the next person, if you believe uh, in yourself, I mean, I had I was always so privileged to have really supportive teammates, mm-hmm. uh, family clearly around who kind of believed in you as well as they gave you uh, the opportunity but people can give you everything in life Taylor Uh, you also have to take it right? take it yeah I think one thing also I want to touch on obviously (laughs) no now no disrespect here but there wasn't social media back in your day so I kind of want to I feel like these days there's like there's a big comparison game I think in all walks of life whether you're an athlete or you're Mm. just a normal regular sneaker human walking down the side of the road I think comparison is quite a big thing obviously there was still media back in your day did you ever kind of come across articles about yourself and did it make you second guess yourself or did you never really pay attention to that Oh, no, clearly, I mean, yeah, there's lots of articles about, hey, how can the skinny kid represent <laughs> Skinny kid black? from Carmo. Yeah, there's no way, you know, it wasn't a prototype all black lock. There was so many comments like that. But there's also, on the flip side, so many comments on, man, this kid's giving it heaps and this kid's going to go okay and all of that. So I just kept believing in myself yeah. the whole time. Uh, often you'd, you'd read comments from someone and I was that attitude of, I'll show you. Yep. type of thing you know ne- not in a negative way I never hate on anyone you know but I thought Is it to fuel you just fuel yeah. me I mean I, I once again you get back to self-belief far out if you be- if you're not going to believe in yourself Taylor no one 100%. will believe in yourself yeah, ever definitely. Um, so there was a lot of that uh, but honestly I have to say 100 percent and you know, I didn't grow up in a social media world I've always found there's been always a lot more support for me uh, and uh, encouragement for me than, than, than the flip side. And I think it was people treat you how you treat them. Yeah. 
if, if you're kind and positive and have this amazing outlook and, hey, things are going to be pretty good, that's how people kind of also treat you. Yeah, for sure. So I've been pretty blessed in that yeah, regard. No, definitely. Okay, we've talked a lot about the rugby journey. We're going to keep talking about it a little bit more. <laughs> I want to know what some kind of, I guess, standout memories or highlights are for you when you were in the black jersey. Yeah, look, Taylor, it's an absolute cliche, but your first game is special. It really is. You know, they, they give you that black jersey. My first one was against the Cardiff Rugby Club at the Arms Park. It's an amazing uh, rugby venue in, in, in Cardiff in Wales. So that, that, that's a special moment mm -hmm. because, as I said, it's not just you becoming an All Black, it's your family. Yeah. They're all part of that journey. So that, that, that really is a special moment. Uh, your first test jersey, mm -hmm. once more, uh, is, is really special. And my yeah. first test jersey was actually a white jersey. We were playing Scotland, they're in dark blue. So that's a pretty unique yeah. uh, first test jersey. That was pretty uh, cool. And every step along that journey, I, I think I tried to, and, and we had always used to get these faxes and make this one count or yeah. make this one like your first. Yeah. Try and remember that day you put on uh, that first jersey. So to recreate those feelings every time you represent the All Blacks, I thought it was pretty special. Uh, the World Cup final in 1995 yeah. at Ellis Park. Okay, the, the result didn't go our way. But what an amazing occasion to be part of when we walked down this incredible tunnel out into Alice Park, standing there, and then Mr Mandela walked out. Wow. Uh, it, it, was, it was so powerful. Oh, it's got Yeah. <laughs> incredible. This, I mean, I make most people look little, Taylor, but this <laughs> tiny little man with so much power, so much mana, this aura of him. Anything, Farah, this is crazy. <laughs> How are we going to win this day? <laughs> um, and we didn't. <laughs> so so that, that was a, a, a moment. Mm. Um, the All Blacks won a test series for the very first time in, in our history in 96 in South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, we won the series in Pretoria. Um, that, that was a moment for all uh, All Blacks, all New Zealanders. Yeah. So that was a pretty special one as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. No, that... Um yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like to walk out of that tunnel and just Nelson Mandela is standing there. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been pretty crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy when, when you look back on it. and Like, I've never physically looked back on the game, but the memory is, is in my, my brain forever. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, what a special human being he was. Yeah. You know, I've been so privileged uh, throughout my rugby career to kind of meet people like him, mm. uh, be around people like Mr Mandela and just kind of you know learn from from the way that they behave the way they treat people um and, and you just saw his power that day but you know wow what a privilege yeah definitely so I want to touch on the Rugby World Cup obviously the Rugby World Cup is on at the moment mm. I hear you're heading over to France very soon are you excited for that I am so lucky right yeah <laughs> I am I am I'm really excited for that because I know the French are going to do an amazing job. In my humble opinion, uh, one country, one Rugby World Cups to me are always the best. You know, you're kind of living and breathing the World Cup and the one country, the one media, everyone's kind of talking about it. Yeah. The stadiums over there are just incredible. Oh, and, they look it. And whilst rugby is the hook, rugby's the occasion, it's the atmosphere, it's the fans that, that really make it for me, yeah, which definitely. I'm really excited to be part of. Yeah, for sure. So you've obviously played at two or three Rugby World Cups. Mm. I was wondering if you could say anything <coughs> to the current team that are playing over there right now at the World Cup, what would it be? 
Well, no New Zealanders got your back, 100%. Uh, break, down, break down every game, and I think this is a lesson we have learned into the most important game of the tournament. Uh, we have, when I look back on my own career, made some mistakes when we've looked ahead to a semi-final or a final. Mm -hmm. And when you look ahead, you can sometimes stumble, yeah. right? Um, so just take every game as the most important mm. game. Uh, and then bank that, celebrate that, pat yourself on the back if it's a win, then refocus and reset those goals uh, the very next day. I think that's a lesson uh, certainly I've learned and teams that I've been involved in and other World Cups have learned looking too far ahead. So, yeah, just don't worry about tomorrow. Just deal Focus with today. On now. Yeah, great advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, staying on the theme of the dice, you've obviously done a lot in your life, mm. whether it's been in rugby or your TV commentating or your ambassador roles or your kind of like sport outside of being mm. a professional athlete. Knowing what mm. you know now, what would be one piece of advice that you'd give to younger Ian? Before his whole world kind of turned into Ian Jones, the old like, what yeah, would it be? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that is a wonderful uh, question, Taylor. <laughs> and you kind of look back and say, yeah, what would you give uh, a young Ian Jones just starting out? And, and whilst I think I had a lot of self-belief uh, back then, I think always get back to why are you playing the sport you're doing, whether it's triathlon, whether it's swimming, whether it's rugby, in my case, and you're doing it because you enjoy it. You love it. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you love every moment yeah, that sure. you're doing. Yeah, you know, sure. there's going to be some tough moments. There's going to be some harrowing moments that you think, far out, this is... Why am I doing why this? Why am I doing all of this? <laughs> but I think we always got to step back at some stage, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and say, hey, I, I love what I'm doing. I enjoy the game of rugby, no one's forced me to play rugby or swim or run or what the sport I'm doing, I'm loving it. Yeah. So I think I'd try and enjoy some of those moments kind of more mm -hmm. rather than just kind of be so focused and obsessed with getting the result and moving on to the next one. Yeah, for sure. So maybe taking some more time to say, hey, enjoy the well small done, moment. man. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. That's pretty cool. I think, yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. I think with my own athlete career, whether it was in swimming or athletics, I think that's definitely one piece of the ice I good to myself because yeah. I think you can get so caught up in the moment of, oh, yeah. I've got to do this, this, and this, or I've got to get to this time, or I've got to yeah. get this medal, or I've got to do this on this day. You know, it can get yes. really kind of a lot of head noise. So, yeah. like, enjoying those small moments. Yeah, no, yeah I mean, I look back and I, what, what makes, you know, I look back now and I, what makes a, a great athlete and you know enjoyment is kind of up there it, it really is you know there's so much more you have mm -hmm. to do you know with consistency and you've got to be perseverance and goal orientated and all the structures and all of those kind of things are important right <laughs> they really really are yeah for sure but Man, enjoyment um, has to be up there as well. Yeah, for sure. Right, we are kind of getting into the part of the episode where I put out a question box on my Instagram stories yesterday and I got people to send me <laughs> some questions for you. Okay. And they definitely pulled through. They were very excited to hear that you were coming on the podcast. Thank you, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first question is, what, uh, what did it feel like to put on the black jersey for the first time? Yeah, good question and, and amazing. It, it really is. It's, it is such a privilege representing your country, mm -hmm. you know, the legacy of that jersey. And, you know, you don't own that jersey, right? You just want to kind of, I think, enhance it, put it in a better place than when you, when you first put it on. So an incredible feeling 
for me and my family, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, for sure. For me and my whole family. Yeah, definitely. Um, next question is, is it true that you once got forced to play with a concussion? No, I don't <laughs> think so. And, I, and the funny thing about I don't know if I was ever concussed. I mean, I know I've yeah. had lots of knocks along the way um, and, and no doubt sprayed some water yeah. um, back in the day. Uh, but that was back in the day. The way they're doing the concussions protocols now are, are spot on. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are improving every mm -hmm. step of the way, For sure. uh, Taylor. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I was concussed. <laughs> can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Um, next question is favourite memory playing for Northland and North Harbour. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, wonderful actually. Um, well, I was North Auckland yep. uh, back in the day, and man, those those people, guy called Chris Old, Charles Going, Mike Barry, people like that, kind of were so supportive mm -hmm. um, of me. Um, so favourite moment playing for North Auckland, I think it was. Well, we played the British and Irish, Irish Lions, and that was an amazing oh, experience. Did you? Wow. In 93, that was really cool. Running out to Okara Park was a buzz the whole time. Yeah. Um, so, and every time we played Auckland, actually, because the North Auckland boys just <laughs> upped the ante. Yeah. And then in 94, so at the end of the 93 season, I left North Auckland mm -hmm. and started playing for North Harbour. And the reason I did that very, very quickly, Taylor, no, I was, I was <laughs> dropped from the... All Blacks in 93, I'd gone from playing Carmo, mm -hmm. so club rugby one Saturday, to playing for the All Blacks against the British and Irish Lions Christ. at Lancaster <laughs> Park the following Saturday. Wow. Um, so club to test match, way off the mark, didn't play that well. We only just uh, won that test match thanks to the boot of Grant Fox. <laughs> Got a phone call uh, on the Sunday from the coach at the time, Laurie Maines. Hey, you know, talked Aww. about the game, you're not playing, you're on the reserves. And listen, when you're an All Black, Taylor, you do anything that you have to to stay in that team. And I made that decision on that day, although I was on the reserves for the second test and played the second test, played the third test, I made a decision that I have to, I want to go to the World Cup in 95. Yeah. The only way I thought I could guarantee myself a spot in the World Cup in 95 is being All Black in 94. Mm -hmm. How was I going to be an All Black in 94? I had to play Super Rugby. Yeah. North Auckland wasn't playing Super Rugby. North Harbour were. Yeah. So that's why I made the decision to leave North Auckland, come to Harbour, uh, who, who's been amazing <laughs> yeah. uh, for me. Yeah, played Super 10 it was for, for North Harbour. It was an All Black in 94, went to the World Cup in 95 and blah, blah, blah. So you do what you have to yeah. do. So, yeah, like North Auckland or Northland and their supporters uh, gave me the opportunity. Wow. Uh, but North Harbour gave me a second chance, yeah. wow. uh, which is one how very, special. yeah, how special. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, next question is, was mental health ever a big issue back when you were in the All Blacks environment? No, it wasn't, um, and wrongfully so, right. I, I guess, at the time. I mean, I was a teammate of Sir John Kerwin, and you see the amazing work he is doing in the power of the influence that JK has, and I was a teammate of his, and, and, and he didn't, didn't know, and, yeah. and wasn't clearly wasn't very supportive of, of what JK was going through. Yeah. And I mean, we all look back in those times and maybe wish we could have done more. Mm -hmm. uh, but what a wonderful thing that, that we have moved on. The power of Gilbert and Noka. I was in the team in 1999 when Gilbert came in, and 
and these are the attitudes of rugby back in those days that New Zealand Rugby Union wouldn't pay for a mental skills coach mm. back in 1999. So Gilbert came in as a masseur. Wow. I mean, Kratstein, right? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> um, and, and look at the amazing work, mm. you know, Gilbert has done still with the team uh, today. So no, it wasn't. Uh, it was a different time, clearly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every time we, we, we were talking about this, the power, what we can do for these players um, is it, brilliant yeah, uh, to see because what we want, what any person wants, Taylor, um, that's what we give support to anyone out there is we've got your back. Yeah. When someone says to what you, I have your back, Taylor, yeah. you can do anything you want. I will support you 100%. You can go on and do amazing things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had that with my family. I had that with my teammates. Mm. Um, now we talk a little bit more about mental health. Uh, we're more aware of it now, but yeah. it's the same thing back in those days. Yeah, for sure. When people have your back, yeah. incredible. Definitely. Um, we've got a few more. What's one piece of advice you would give to a young Ian just starting out? Yeah, like I, I, I said before, it, yeah. Yeah, enjoy what you're doing, but... Remember, and I had this from my father, um, remember you have to work harder than anyone else. Yeah, definitely. There is no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. you, you, you work hard. And, and, and if you think you're working hard, work a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Uh, to, to me, because I didn't have the, the, the physical attributes, I wasn't going to be busting through everyone. I had to be aerobically, in, in my mind, uh, fitter than anyone else. When you're aerobically fitter than anyone else, your mind stays sharper <laughs> all the way through. You know, often when we see um, mistakes happening in sport, is because you're physically fatigued. Yeah, for sure. If you're physically fit, you don't get mentally fatigued. Mm. Yeah. Um, so work hard, man. Work, work hard. Work smarter and harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Smarter and harder, but just work hard. <laughs> Um, which international team did you enjoy playing the most? Yeah, that's a, oh, that's a great question. Hell, um, South Africa, I think. South Africa, because of the, the amazing rivalry yeah. uh, that we have with them, uh, the respect I have for the South Africans themselves. You're really testing yourself when you're taking on uh, the South Africans. So them, but I also love playing the French. I absolutely loved playing for the French because the respect that they had for the All Blacks, um, the way they lifted themselves um, against the All Blacks. Olivier Roumart was a guy who played a lot against the French, had a lot of respect for him. So I loved the French, but yes, the Africans as well. And hey, who doesn't uh, like beating Australia that way? <laughs> <laughs> so true. I love the, I actually love the New Zealand and Australia rivalry. But yeah, I think, I think if I was to play rugby, and I am never going to play rugby in the life, I don't think I ever could. I don't, I could never get tackled. I just could never get tackled. But I think one team I'd want to play against would be South Africa. I think what an experience that would be. Yeah, I don't know, Taylor, with the greatest respect to your swimming shoulders, I think you'd be a great <laughs> rugby player. No, well, I'd, I'd be you, such that, a that, boss out there. <laughs> The other team I love, because New Zealanders have a connection with this country, or a lot of New Zealanders do, is Scotland. Right, yeah. You know, to play at Murrayfield is an amazing uh, venue if you're a Kiwi with Scottish roots. Mm -hmm. uh, to hear the lone bagpiper up on the stands at wow. Murrayfield to run out into that ground. What an experience. Uh, yeah, that is an experience. Because every ground in the world, Taylor, has this different characteristic. Yeah. Everyone has this different vibe. I mean, Tukinim, you got the... The, the car parks, so the, the picnics outside where you drive down through the mall, as I said, 
Millennium Stadium, Cardiff, so close, right in the heart of the city. You got that. Yeah. Scotland with the um, the beautiful bagpipes. So every everyone has a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, Maryfield was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. And we've got one more. Um, do you remember your first try? If so, <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> um, I do. Well, my first try. I know you've got at to least a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember if my first try was. Um, I remember my first test try. Yeah. Um, my first test try was actually my first test in 1990 at Carisbrook. Oh, no um, way. Yeah. Now, that, here's the story. Here's the bottom right-hand corner yeah. as we were playing. On my 50th test was against Scotland, also in a white all-black jersey at Carisbrook. Oh, my gosh. And I scored a try in exactly the same spot. 100% the same spot, bottom right-hand corner. You must corner. have been thinking, this is some sort of deja vu. <laughs> Am I playing my first test I w- again? <laughs> I wish I'd put a bit on it. So uh, <coughs> the, um, the old railway line end. Um, so, yeah. So I do remember those yeah. tries. What, how special was it? Because, you know, I, I always love when someone gets a try and then the whole team comes in and hits <coughs> across the head. And there's like, <laughs> I, can't, I don't know if people actually enjoy getting hit across the head. And Dad and I were discussing it. I think it was in the most recent game with the, that the All Blacks played. And he's like, they can't enjoy getting hit across the head like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was back in the day when you kind of scored your try, which was cool in itself. And then you almost ran back to half uh, way with no emotion. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't until kind of Jeff Wilson started scoring all his amazing tries that he started uh, oh, showing some emotion. Of course it was Jeff Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> which was a good thing, right? Yeah. A really, really good thing. But before then it was dot down. I didn't dot down that many and kind of walk back and you, hey man, enjoy How your moment. How many more can I get in this <laughs> yeah, game? <laughs> you should be high-fiving, yeah. you should be hugging. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I do remember those tries. Wow, how cool. Well, that's pretty much it for this podcast. I do want to say how grateful I am that I got to talk to you today. I think this is like a very full circle moment for me. <laughs> Obviously, we know each other and um, I think this is what has made this first guest episode really special. I know younger Taylor probably couldn't imagine what older Taylor doing is now. And I'm sure young Ian would be very proud of older Ian as well. But yeah, I just want to say very thankful that you are here very thankful mm. to experience all that's the hosting me today and um really excited for what we're going to create together and yeah just thank you so much ian you know thank you very much taylor good luck for what you're doing going forward for, 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 i mean i can't believe i'm sitting here as well i look back at my younger me it's this team this all black team and the people around this team to support they have from family my north auckland support my new zealand support that's given me the opportunity to sit with you and yeah. chat about something i absolutely love 100%. a team that has absolutely made me who i am mm-hmm. and, and made all of us who we are the values that we stand for so thank you very much for the opportunity uh to, to look back uh to discuss it yeah. good luck with what you have got coming forward and yeah yay to taylor well done you (laughs) thank you so much guys for listening if you're watching on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're listening on audio platforms leave a rating and review and follow ian on instagram i believe it's carmo kid isn't it carmo kid 04 so yeah (laughs) i'd I'd love some love out there (laughs) (laughs) we've got to get his followers up Yeah, very new to the market. I'm not your demographic, but hey, come on my journey. You never know where I'm going to end up. <laughs> Are you on TikTok? Uh, no, I'm not Oh my TikTok. God, we, we, I'll get you on TikTok. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, thanks so much, guys, and thanks, Ian. And that is us over and out. Wonderful. Oh.
Oh, that was so oh, well amazing. Done, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've done well.